0: If you want to open up to Matthew chapter six, we'll get started in uh, verse nine through thirteen. After the Korean War ended, South Korea was left with a large number of orphans who've been orphaned because of the fighting. And we've seen similar things happen in, in different conflicts, whether it was Vietnam or Bosnia. Uh, sometimes forget that the aftermath of war leaves a lot of orphans and. A lot of relief organizations went into South Korea to take care of these orphans. And a few of the stories that kind of came out of what they experienced were just heart-wrenching. They talked about how the orphans had gone without food and were literally starving to death. Uh, One of the the basic things that these relief organizations would would do is just provide food for these orphans to feed. They would provide for them where they didn't have parents to provide that food. And as they would show up and they would provide the food, what they found is even though they're giving food to these orphans, uh, psychologically the orphans are still a mess. They would find that late at night the orphans would have a hard time going to sleep because they had all of this anxiety and stress built up trying to figure out whether or not they would have food the next day. And it's probably hard to understand what that psychologically would feel like to not know if there was food the next day. I mean, I'm trying to not eat food to be healthy. And we don't really live in a, in a culture of, of scarcity where we don't know really, and we get hungry and, and you know, have our own hunger, but, but the pangs of hunger that create psychological damage, that's something that I don't really understand. That's not something I've ever experienced before. And these relief organizations were, were providing this food for the orphans, but they're trying to figure out they've got, they've got all the psychological damage where they've, they've gone through true hunger and they're living lives in anxiety, uncertain of what tomorrow is. One of the tactics they started to use, so not only feeding orphans, but to just help them, just these children to sleep through the night, is they decided this, we have plenty of food here. Here's what we'll do, when when the orphans go to sleep at night, we're gonna give each one of them a piece of bread. And we're gonna give them this bread and say, you can eat it if you, you want to, but you don't have to, just hold on to this bread, because there's more where this came from. And as you go to sleep tonight, Hold this bread in your hand. What they found is after doing that day and night, day and night for weeks, all of a sudden, the the anxiety and stress that these children felt went away. Went away. Something about having this piece of bread with them was like a security blanket as they went to sleep. The theologian uh, R.C. Sproul tells this story and talks about what it's like to have provision, knowing that provision is coming tomorrow, does something for us. And I wanted to tell this story to kind of paint a picture as we look at this passage in Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, we find the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is something that we've been reading through the last few weeks. And we decided as we start this new year, we want to start with a focus on prayer as a church community. And not just any prayer, but the prayer that Jesus teaches us us to pray. He teaches us to pray. And if you want to read along with me, we've heard this over and over again. You're probably familiar with these words. But in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Jesus is talking and he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. First week, we looked at this, the phrase, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It talked about this relationship that we have with God, that we approach him as Father. Even though he's God, even though he's all-powerful, almighty, above all things, we can approach him as Father. Last week we talked about this prayer of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This desire to see God make things right here and now. We're citizens of heaven. It's this future destination, but it's this present reality that we catch glimpses of. And as a church that we, we carry this character of heaven in our community. It's this present reality that points us towards this future destination. And today I want to look at this phrase, Give us this day our daily bread. A simple prayer. A simple request. we have been planning these sermons with a bunch of our sister churches, our partner churches, and kind of looking through how we want to go phrase by phrase. And I was looking at this verse, Give us this day our daily bread. And I thought, how do you write a whole sermon on that one phrase, right? It's just this simple request about daily provision. And as I kind of started to think about it, I thought, is that all it is? Is this a simple request? There's something more going on here? What have other people said about this verse? Started to read through history, read through different commentaries. And what I found is there's a lot going on here. There's a lot to unpack. It's a simple phrase where we come to God and say, give us this day our daily bread. And I think there's so much more. The reformer Martin Luther said this, of this phrase. He says, when you pray for daily bread, you pray for everything that is necessary to enjoy daily bread. You must expand your thoughts to more than flour or the flour bin. For if God did not cause the grain to grow and preserve the field, we could never take a loaf of bread from the oven and set it on the table. For Luther, this prayer opens us up to so much more, gives us insight into how God provides. If we reflect on it, if we meditate on this verse, what we find is that it does open us up to so much more. So is this a phrase about our physical daily need being met? Is it metaphoric for something else? Is it a spiritual thing going on here where God provides for us? And i come to find that the answer is yes. Yes, it's all of that. It's all of that. And if we focus on this prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Like Luther says, I think it opens us up to something. Football season's almost over. I know that we've got some Vikings and Eagle fans in the house. I think they're sitting on opposite sides of the room. Actually, they may have left. I don't see them anymore. (laughs) They might be watching the game. Uh, Football season's over, uh, which is kind of always a sad thing for me. That means my fantasy football team's done. I did win a championship this year. It's pretty cool. Uh, (laughs) The Cardinals are over. College football's over. Thank God this is a rough year. I see you fans. Actually, it wasn't that bad. We were okay. Um, But one of the things that happens also when football season's over is part of my weekly routine ends. It's a routine that's like four months long. And the routine kind of goes like this. So, I, I, As a pastor, I, you know, I have a day off each week. I, I take a Sabbath, a 24-hour period. So when church is over, Sunday afternoon around 1 o'clock, I just unplug, just check out, don't do anything. And that lasts up until about Monday around 1 p.m. Just don't want to be around people, don't want to think, don't want to do anything. It's just this time where I'm like, I'm out, checked out, lights off. Um, but one of the things I love to do on Monday morning is I wake up and I read an article by Peter King called Monday Morning Quarterback. Anyone read that, it's in Sports Illustrated, and reflect on what happened over football that weekend. He always has interesting thoughts, he's got like a story of the week, but he has this section called the things that I think, I think, I think, I think, about what happened this weekend. And you just get like these random thoughts about what happened over the football, the NFL weekend. So Peter King's got like his 10 things I think, I think. And I I love that. I always turn to like that part of the story because it's fascinating—the random thoughts. And I was thinking as I was reading through this phrase in Matthew six, when I was reading through this, "Give us this day our daily bread." And considering how it's a simple phrase and yet it's a deep phrase, I kept thinking, "Well, here's what I think I think about it." And I started thinking that's kind of like Peter King in football. And when I was writing kind of the message, what does it mean? This day, "Give us this day our daily bread." I just wanted to share with you six things that I think I think about it from what I've read and what I study. And I hope that this opens up, like Martin Luther says, this opens us up to what does this mean to come before God and say, give us this day our daily bread. So here's some things that I think I think. I think as we open up this phrase, I think I think that Jesus does not say, give me my daily bread. Significant little detail here. It says, give us this day our daily bread. This is a communal prayer as we come before God. And I've never thought of it that way because it's always me and my provision when I pray this and what God will provide for me the next day. And I've never considered the word us. Give us this day our daily bread. It's the same as this prayer starts when it says, our Father in heaven. There's this communal aspect to this request. Give us this day our daily bread. And I thought about how I can come before God and, and, and pray this prayer, and I, I often do. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. But I rarely think of the community around me. I rarely think of other people praying for, for provision for us daily bread. It's always like me or my family. But to think of this as a communal prayer, give us this day our daily bread, was new to me. And I think this is a significant detail when we pray this. It means there's an immediate community that we belong to, but then there's a city that we live in that's full of need. And we come to God with this request, give us this day our daily bread. We pray for those around us as well. I've often heard that hunger in this world is not a supply problem. It's a distribution problem. Lova N.T. Wright says about this. He says, It is impossible truly to pray for our daily bread or for tomorrow's bread today without being horribly aware of the millions who didn't have bread yesterday, don't have any today, and in human terms are unlikely to have any tomorrow either. And I think that even as we come to this prayer that's a simple prayer for provision, we have to keep in mind those around us. It's a communal request. Lord, Provide for us, for our neighbors. As we spend this time focusing on this Lord's Prayer, I wonder how we need to just change our mindset when we pray. That God would provide not only for us, but for those around us. This week we had a woman come into our office. And uh, this happens every now and then. Someone will come in off the street and they had this, she had this request. Uh, she had just moved out here from Texas her daughter came out here left some bad circumstances and she just needed help so one of the things that we do as a church is we have a benevolence that we like to help people with we give them a gift card a bus pass very simple thing that meets a need and she sat down and started to tell a story and usually what happens is we want to make sure we're not you know just giving a handout or getting scammed so we are you willing to come and sit and talk with us and she was and there was one thing that was interesting about her she was deaf and so at first I didn't quite figure out what was going on, but then she started to write on a card, and she sat down and started to write out her story. And we ended up having this 30-minute conversation, just sitting in my office, writing out on a note card: "Who are you? Where are you from? What's your story?" Tyler was on his way. We were actually out of gift cards, so I like called her and called Tyler and said, "Bring in some gift cards. We need to help." And just had this wonderful conversation without ever talking with this lady. And then we prayed with her. And I, it, it's, as we were praying and I was thinking of the sermon this week, I thought about that, like how we, we always think of being called to action, which is good. We should be called to action or these different things that we can do or policies that we put in place or strategies to help. But to sit and pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. Praying for, for provision for others around us as well. It's something I think, I think, that this is a communal prayer communal prayer. The second thing I think, I think, is this prayer gives God the proper place in our lives. To come to him with this request, there's a, an element of, re, of acknowledging dependence on God. It puts him as the provider, the provider of our life. And I thought, this is a request, right? This is a give us this day and even, like, it's almost a. It's sometimes you, you read it and it's like, are we trying to, like, command God to do something? Or are we just simply, like, desperate in, in asking God to do something? But then I also thought of it as there's an element of confession as we read this phrase Give us this day our daily bread. There's an acknowledgement that life comes from God. He is the sustainer of life, it is He who gives good gifts. And. We feel that when we're desperate, right? We turn to God in moments of desperation. But daily, there's a discipline here of coming back to God and saying, Lord, provide today. You are the provider. You are the provider. Deuteronomy 8 says this, You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord's your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and confirms his covenant. This isn't just a request. There's this acknowledgement here that, Lord, we come back to you as our provider. And we need you. We need you. One of the Old Testament names for God is Jehovah Jireh, which is God is our provider. And so even as we pray this daily, I think it's a request that we need to pray, but I think there's an acknowledgement, there's a discipline of reminding ourselves, God is the God who gives life, who sustains us, who provides. I think, I think, that this prayer teaches us to pray for our bread daily. And you think, well, that's what the verse says, give us this day our daily bread, right? That's like from the school of redundancy school, that point, you just repeated the point, yeah, but daily, when you think about this idea of praying for our bread daily, a daily rhythm of prayer, living one day at a time, I think following Jesus is lived one day at a time. It doesn't mean that we don't plan for the future, it doesn't mean that we don't consider things in our past, but to be present in the present moment, aware of what God's doing, seeing everything in life as a gift from God was hiking this week with my father-in-law, and we were walking and having all these conversations, and our conversation turned to uh, all the new technology that's out, and, and Amazon, and how, like, my father was talking about, it's amazing you just order something, and it's there within 24 hours. It's instant. Yeah. And, and it's, we, we were talking about, like, social media, and, and how that's affected marketing, and all these, and we, we live lives where we want everything instantly, but we don't live presently. It's this weird, almost like paradox. We want everything instantly, but we don't live life present to our moments. There's a distance, even though we want everything now. And the call to follow Jesus is a call of a daily dependence on God. We live life day by day, present in the moment, seeing all of life as grace, And a gift, aware of what's happening. This is a a prayer that we pray daily. I think, I think, I think the fourth thing is that I think that this prayer also tells us that God cares about our bodies and our physical needs. And I think that's a good thing. God, Jesus here tells us to pray for something physical that sustains us. And it means that God doesn't just meet the spiritual needs in our life, but he meets us with physical things that do give us life and do sustain us. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus tells us to pray for the physical things that sustain us. And I think this is a good reminder because sometimes we forget that we can pray for God to show up with physical things. We can come before him and say, this is what I need this is what I need to survive. And he meets us in that moment. Again, In T. Wright, this God is the creator who loves his world and his human creatures. We can ask him for anything we need in the safe knowledge that he is far more concerned about it. He's far more concerned about all, about it all, even than we are ourselves. God knows what we need. He understands. And, and we see this in the life of Jesus he spends so much time with people physically meeting their needs, whether it was with sickness, whether it was with hunger, whether it was with being lame, allowing them to walk. He meets them in these physical ways, and he meets them spiritually, but he also meets them physically. And Jesus comes and says, when you pray, you can pray for bread. Take this before God. He will give you things that sustain your life daily, here and now. But then I also think, I think think that this prayer reminds us of how prayer works. It reminds us of how prayer works. And I've said this from week one I don't know how prayer works, but I know that prayer works. I don't know how it works, but I know that it works. Here's some wisdom from Proverbs Proverbs 37 through 9 says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Oh Lord, do not refuse me before I die. It's kind of dramatic, right? <laughs> do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. We pray for physical things, but the, the writers of Proverbs had this understanding that God will answer us with prayers his way. And when we come before God and we pray for these physical things that sustain us, God answers us in ways that don't allow these things to corrupt our soul. The author of this Proverbs prays, Lord, answer my prayer, hear me before I die. But don't answer it in a way that is not of you, in a way that could corrupt my soul. On both sides. There's wisdom in how we pray. And I think that's significant. As we consider this prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We start asking really tough theological questions. Why does God not answer prayer sometimes? Why does he answer prayer sometimes? Why does it seem like some people have like a direct line to God and he always answers their prayer? What's going on here? One of the things that we can trust is that God hears us and he answers our prayer with his wisdom, with his heart, with his love. But he says to come before him and pray. An old commentator named William Barclay talks about this. and He says, God will always answer our prayers, but he will answer them in his way. And his way will be the way of perfect wisdom and of perfect love. And often, if if he answered our prayers as we, at the moment, desired, it would be the worst thing possible for us. For in our ignorance, we often ask for gifts that would lead to our ruin. But God answers in ways that are perfect. Then he goes on to say, Jesus here lays down the facts that God will always answer our prayers in this way, in wisdom and in love. But we must bring to God an undiscouraged life of prayer I thought about that an undiscouraged life of prayer I don't know how prayer works but I know that it works and I know that when Jesus teaches us to pray he puts this phrase in there Lord give us this day our daily bread and to keep praying with an undiscouraged prayer life coming back to God again and again daily asking And what we know is this God who is perfect in wisdom and love will meet us in the way that he wants. Meet us in the way that he wants. Sixth thing, I think, I think, and this is the last one. We're almost done. Football game hasn't started yet, I don't think. I think, I think that Jesus is our daily bread. He's the bread of life. And if you want to talk about this, it's a simple phrase that meets our daily need is one thing, and yet there's this profound aspect to it because this language of bread is found throughout Scripture. Again and again, we find this language of bread. The Old Testament, God's people leave Egypt. They go out to the wilderness. They're starving. God sends bread from heaven called manna. And it comes and he tells them, just take enough for each day. Eat the manna, more will come. Don't take more than you need, just take what I give you. And it creates this sustained trust in God. Jesus tells us to pray for our daily bread. At another point, Jesus is teaching and he starts talking about this idea of how we go hungry. And yet he is the bread of life. John chapter 6 says, So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it was written. And he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is your Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. So the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There's a daily rhythm of asking for bread. And then there's this bread that is God. That is Jesus. This bread that is eternal. That gives us life. And this is the bread that will leave us never hungry again. Never thirsty. It's a bread that gives life that is eternal. And Jesus tells us to pray this day for our daily bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's a simple prayer, and yet it's profound. We come to God. This is the center of our life, and we have this request that is a request It is also a confession. It is this acknowledgement that life comes from him. I don't know where you're at in your journey right now, My guess is there's probably no one in this room that is just starving of, dying of starvation. I don't think we're there. We might, I don't know what it is, you might have the pangs of hunger and other things in your life. But today as we close, we want to come before God and say, God, would you just give us what we need to be sustained today? Whether that's a physical thing, whether it's a spiritual thing. Lord, provide life for us. I remember when I was in high school, I was going through a really hard time. And I was praying and praying, and I felt like God wasn't answering me. And I had this math teacher who talked to me after class one time, knew what I was going through. Talked about how I want this thing to happen in my life, and it's not happening. And I remember he, he gave this example to me at the time, and I'll, I'll never forget it. But he talked to me about how the way that I was living my life, it was like I was holding on to certain things and my fists were clenched because I didn't want to let those things go. And he says, I think you know that these things are important to you at this point in your life. But the truth is, God probably has things that are so much better for you. And in order for you to be able to receive from God, there's probably some things that you're going to need to let go, let go of. And I remember him holding this fist and he says, in order for us to let go, we have to open our hands and drop the things that we're clinging to. But physically, there's something happens that when we do that, our hands are open to receive something else. I'll never forget that analogy that when we pray for God, to receive from God our daily bread, to let go of the things that we clench and hold on to so strongly so that he can pour new life into us. And today, as we pray this prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I don't know what it means for you. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's the spiritual thing. Maybe there's something going on emotionally. But God meets our needs. He gives us what we need to sustain us day by day. And I want to do something today as a church, physically. You could stay seated. But as we close in prayer and move to our time of communion, I wanted to do this prayer together. That as you consider your life, as you consider your needs, that you would hold your fist out in front of you just sitting here. If we could close our eyes and just think of the things that that we have that we need to let go of, that we're clenching to, that we think are so important. Maybe it's a heavy thing, maybe it's not. But identify those things in your life that you know that you're holding on to that aren't good for your soul. As we think of these things, To release them. To open up your hands. To turn them over and let them fall from the ground. And it's symbolic of what can happen in your soul. But then if you would turn your palms to the air. And as you consider your own needs in your life. Whatever those things look like. That you would pray this prayer. Lord. Give us this day, our daily bread. Lord, that you would fill us today with your sustaining life, with grace, with wisdom, with provision. That you would meet us here now, Lord. That we would be open to what you desire for us. Lord, that our prayer for daily bread would be in line with your heart. Meet us here today, Lord. Tim's going to come back up and close us with a song. And we're going to move to a time of communion. As we consider that Jesus is the bread of life, at communion we take bread represents his body. The symbolic act of what he's done for us. We take a piece of bread, we remember God's love, that his body was broken open on the cross for us. And we take a cup of juice that represents the blood of Christ that was poured out and shed. Through the breaking of his body and the pouring out of his blood, there's an atonement for our brokenness and our sin. God says to do this in remembrance of him and to proclaim it. But then today as we go to communion, let's be reminded that this is the bread of life. This is what sustains us. That this life that is here and now is also eternal. And we take it and we remember, but we also proclaim that Jesus is our daily bread. Let me close this in prayer, and then we'll sing this last song. Lord, thank you so much for this day. We thank you for teaching us to pray, Lord, as we slow down and reflect phrase by phrase on these words. Today we come and acknowledge, Lord, that you give us life. We are dependent on you. Let us not forget that, Lord. Let us not become too prideful in our own accomplishments. Lord, let us not become too poor in our weakness. As the proverb says, Lord, give us neither poverty or riches, but give us you. Give us daily bread. Lord, help us to pray this prayer not just for ourselves, but Lord, that your blessings that you give us would be blessings to other people. That we would consider the needs of those around us, Lord. We pray this as a community. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we give up the things that would corrupt our soul. We ask that you fill us with life that is truly life. We're so grateful for your provision. That you are our Father, Lord. That you're holy. That you're in heaven. That your kingdom has come. We take this bread and this cup in remembrance of that love. And we proclaim your kingdom come.